captivating landscapes, flawless tobaccos, elegant presentation. Introducing Pure Origin. At JR Cigar, our innovative team is on a journey for unrivaled flavors and enriching experiences. Along that path, we discovered new, distinctive, and groundbreaking tobaccos from the furthest reaches of the earth and are bringing them right to your home. The intentions are pure, the process is pure, the origin is pure. JR Pure Origin. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday, Jordan. Friday. Yes, it's time for Friday Night Herf on the Dojo Verse. Get your phone out. Go to dojoverse.com. We'll be hanging out all night on the uh, Dojo Verse as we do every single do it. Friday, except for last Friday, because <laughs> uh, it was at my daughter's graduation. Everyone's just so many graduations. I I think I went to. 300 300 different graduation functions nowadays they make they make an event for ev everything jordan there's like a pre pre-graduation like, what's the, ro the rose thing or Anne and rose is out like rose ceremony white rose ceremonies there's, it's worse than a wedding it's, it's it's crazy it's like you feel like i was completely preoccupied last week although it did turn out to be kind of fun we had a uh, a graduation party at my house on sunday and and Matt, Matt's in the studio audience. How you doing, Matty? Doing good. We hung out on the side of the house yeah. and smoked cigars. Smoked cigars, snuck away, got in that corner, we're smoking. It was great. So that was fun. Had a lot of good food there, hanging out. Had a good time. But guys, this is episode 378 of Smoke Night Live tonight. We are going to find out what it takes to build a cigar factory. Because I know all of you guys that are watching this show, you guys all want to do this, right? You all want to build your own cigar factory. I know I do. So we're going to find out um, on the show. But before we get there, before we start there, we do have a couple of uh, announcements to make coming up. Uh, remember, Cigar Barbecue is June 4th, Sunday, June 4th. So that's not this Sunday, but next Sunday, right, Matt? Matt, what are you uh, going to cook on Cigar Barbecue? I'm going to try a brisket pork belly. Oh, so, sounds delicious. Anything brisket. That's going to be like. Now, if you it guys have, if you're not familiar with Cigar BQ, uh, this is an event we've been doing since 2011, I think. 2011, actually, before pre dojo. Pre dojo. We've been doing Cigar BQ since before the dojo started. Now, the cool thing about this that you guys can all participate is from wherever you are at your own house. You know, you want to invite some friends over. Have a, a cigar, a cigar, and a barbecue, and some drinks. You can play along with us um, on the cigar do or dojoverse.com. We usually do a uh, combined playlist on Spotify. Everyone can add their songs in. Yeah, 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 thing. yeah. We got to uh, we got to set up the playlist. Um, we'll start doing that uh, maybe on Friday or something like that. Um, get the playlist going so we can all be listening to the same uh, music, and everybody can collaborate on that and um, you guys can share what you're listening to and we'll listen to that it's, it's always a blast now here's the thing people ask when does it start well there's no real set time that cigar barbecue starts it kind of just starts whenever whoever you, wakes up first whenever you <laughs> feel like it now some people start the night before 
because they start preparing their foods. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to see that on Dojoverse too. Yeah, we want to see all your food prep shots and that kind of thing. We typically start around like a 10.30 or 11 mountain time. I like to start over with the, here. the donut pairing, cigar and donut pairing. That's always good. <laughs> so uh, that's how that works. So just wherever you are in the world, doesn't matter. Uh, we'll probably have some prizes um, and stuff uh, for good. If you guys want to share some really good cigar barbecue pictures, we'll we'll pick somebody to win something cool. We always do something like that, which leads me into my second topic uh, before we invite our guests onto the show. Uh, you may or may not have noticed the spring cleaning contest on Dojoverse. You can win 100 cigars, ladies and gentlemen, and all you got to do is share your best hashtag spring cleaning image. Now, I created a new group on Dojoverse. It's called Contests and Giveaways. Just post your entry there. Now, here's what we're looking for, Jordan, on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a, maybe you're cleaning out your humidor. Maybe you're cleaning out your um, your cigar room. Maybe you're cleaning out your backyard, your garage, whatever. Um, any kind of spring cleaning project. We want to see the before and after. We want to uh, feel like we are helping to clean up <laughs> your mess at your house. Uh, it doesn't matter. It could be serious entry. It could be funny entry. Um, just whatever. Just hashtag spring cleaning. Make sure to post it in the the new group, which is contest and giveaways, so go join that, and that's where you post your entry. We'll be taking entries all the way through Memorial Day. There you go, Jordan. Uh, through Memorial Day, so uh, we'll stop taking entries at midnight on Monday, and then maybe what do you think, Jordan? On uh, Flavor Odyssey, we announce a winner. Wednesday. Let's do it. Okay. What's going on in the background of this photo here? That's a bunch of junk. A bunch of junk. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be needs to be cleaned up. That's that's what's Guitar. going on in that photo. So um, anyways, in there. I think you guys get the uh, the idea. We just want to have some fun. We got to Well, here's what happened, just so you guys all know. We were spring cleaning all of our uh, Cigar Dojo headquarter um, wine doors and reorganizing them. And we ended up with a whole bunch of cigars that were like, you know what? We're never going to smoke these cigars. Some of them are kind of dog rockets. Not going to lie to you. Some of them are, <laughs> not, some of them are good cigars, but it's a hundred cigars. It's a hundred premium cigars. So, um, somebody's going to win that, um, on, uh, flavor odyssey next Wednesday night. Should be a ton of fun. Okay. Let's get right into the show. Jordan shouts to me. Let's do it. Jordan. It's been three years since we've had this guest on the it's show. It's been, can you believe it's been three years? That's crazy. Ladies, What's he been up to? I don't know, but we're about to find out. Uh, Klaus Kellner, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friend. How are you doing? Eric, Jordan, I am excited. Today's <laughs> a good day. Today yeah, I'm, I'm glad is to a be good back. day. Yeah, three years. Can you believe it's been that long, Klaus? I had no idea. I, 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 we keep in touch so much that it doesn't feel that long. Well, so I was very surprised. You've had a, uh, you've had sort of a busy three years. So, um, you know, there, you have a good excuse. Um, I don't know how much, uh, we, we probably really won't get into that. Um, I mean, obviously fo- folks probably know, uh, Klaus, long time Davidoff guy. Now he's kind of on his own and he's starting his own factory, cigar factory. And that is the topic of tonight's show. How and why do you start a cigar factory? So let's get right into it, um, Klaus. Uh, I'm going to start with this question for you. Yeah. When you left, when you left Avidoff, um, you could have done anything, Klaus. You could have uh, 
You could have been a uh, you could have taken over a, been a brand rep for some other company. Could have been a barista. You could, maybe somewhere. <laughs> you could have been a male uh, model. You could have uh, who knows. Wow. There was a, there was a lot of things, <laughs> Klaus. You could have done, um, but you decided oh, after a couple of years to start your own cigar factory. I want to know why. What made you want to? Uh, what made you want to go that route? Well, Eric. There was not much else. Um, my dad always jokes that my family only knows how to do one thing. Tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. <laughs> my uncles, tobacco. My grandparents, tobacco. Their brothers, tobacco. My cousins and my brothers and my sisters. And everybody I know in my family, tobacco. So I, I don't know. I, I can't do anything else. It's what we're bred to do. But True. but you could the, have the you could have, you could have started a brand or something. You could have done. There's a lot of things inside tobacco you could have done. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just curious what uh, made you want to go the cigar factory route. Um, you know, I spent a lot of years in on the marketing end, but before I did all the marketing in the sales side, uh, traveling around the world, I really learned everything in the roots, in the farms, in the fermentation, uh, learning how to roll cigars, uh, learning how to run factories. Actually, even before that, when I was studying in high school and I was studying in college, uh, all my projects were feasibility projects for factories or, um, you know, just business proposals on how to run a business on the Dominican Republic in regards to tobacco. So I kind of was always gearing myself towards that. And I've always leaned more towards the side of, uh, creating and blending it's always been a passion and when i left davidoff usa about three years ago um, i wanted to be in the factory uh, for x and y reasons davidoff set me free and it was either uh, work in davidoff my whole life and make blends that was like either one option or make my own factory and my dad has always been very proponent of, uh, you know, at some point you have to be your own boss and you have to uh, make all your mistakes somewhere else. And then at one point you be free and you do what, what you want to do and be your own boss. And my decision wasn't that hard. My dad did say, I, I went to my dad first. I asked him for his blessing. <laughs> and, and because you need my father's blessing for this kind of venture. And he basically said, you're crazy. You really are going to go into this. This is not easy. Are you sure you want to get into this? And I was 100% sure. And then he, I will mention this as well. He, he said, okay, do it. And I said, well, I need to get somebody else's blessing. And he asked who? And I said, well, I need to go see my brother, uh, mm. Hendrick Kellner Jr., who has the Kellner Boutique Factory, KBF. And I said, I need out on a star factory. And also my brother gave me his blessing. So now we have two sister factories. My brother runs his own factory and I have my own factory and we help each other and we advise each other as well. You think they'd be brother unity. factories. Right? Uh, yeah. Instead of yeah. sister factories. Oh, <laughs> well, in Spanish it's <laughs> la fabrica. It's, okay. it's, la, it's like, a that's good. Jordan. Word. That's good. Jordan. Yeah, come on. Every now, every now and then Jordan comes up with a good one. Every, hey, uh, Klaus, uh, take let's 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 take it back. Um, yeah. A, a, how long ago was it when you had your mind made up that this is what you wanted to do? It was always a dream. 
I just never knew when it was gonna be activated. And after Davidoff, it, I had a, about a one year no compete, a one year no compete. So that gave me enough time to uh, set everything in motion so that when the no compete was over, mm-hmm. I could start my factory. So it, it wasn't from one day to the next, there was definitely a lot of planning. Uh, there's a lot of things that you need to prepare for before you can fr- make your first cigar. So it, it's been a while, but ever since I was a little kid, I knew I want some, at some point I was going to run my own factory. Now I own my own factory, which is pretty cool. Now, the thing is, so the folks, watch, we kind of joke a little bit this week about, um, you know, watching this show and you'll learn how to make your own cigar factory. Now, not most people, Klaus, aren't blessed by being in such a uh, tobacco-rich family as as you are. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get much more legendary than your dad. And so, um, I mean, you obviously are in a in a special sort of position in in the tobacco industry. But that being said, I think that all the things that we can discuss tonight and talk about on the show, you could scale this. Um, yeah to various um, different sizes. There are, fa- there are factories that have, you know, one set of uh, 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 rollers, like a tiny mm-hmm. little teeny factory. So it, yep. it can be done in, in various ways. And, and so hopefully uh, by the end of the tonight, if, you, um, if this is your passion and you're watching somewhere, uh, you'll be able to get, glean some cool information about starting a cigar factory. The first um, thing you have to decide is, where are you going to put your cigar factory? Now, in your case, yeah. plus, um, you're, you're in sort of the, the thick of things in the DR, but even within that realm, um, you know, how did you make that decision uh, as to where you were going to place the factory? Did you go out looking at buildings, da da da, or did yeah. you say, this is where it's going to be? And w- so we just have to have, we just have to make the building right here. Did you choose an existing building? How did you choose the spot for the factory? I remember a marketing professor from college um, talking about retail, but it applies the same for factories. Location, location, location. Right. And it's, it's always stuck to me. You've got to be in a good place. But before you even choose a location, uh, you have to decide wh- like, what's going to be the spirit of your factory. What's going to be the philosophy of your factory? How are you going to make cigars? How big you want to grow? Where do you see yourself in the future? And well, uh, to a certain extent, also budget is is a is a big big factor. So you have to decide how big am I going to grow and how comfortable am I growing at what pace? And in Dominican Republic, you have something that is very uh, beneficial for international trade and exportation, which is the free zones. So you can decide whether to have a factory inside a free zone that allows you to import and export tax-free, or you choose to have a house, a random building, a building you make outside of a free zone, which you could technically apply for a special regulation free zone of that area, or you could just not be a free zone at all and pay your taxes when you export. Uh, but there's a lot of benefits to being inside a free zone, and that's what I chose to do. So, because most of my my business will be exportation, mm-hmm. so you decide to look at all the free zones. 
and you visit every single park industrial park and they offer you different locations right now there is a shortage but i was looking for a while and i was blessed to get the location that i i have right now this was an existing building it was an existing building but interestingly enough nobody had ever used it before for operations it had only been used as storage so it was an existing building that literally only had four walls and a ceiling and a roof Hmm. and that was it so it gave me a blank slate to design the building and the flow of the process however i wanted it and i kid you not i must have drawn out the the floor plans of that building for the process <laughs> flow a, a hundred times wow uh, and moving a room changing the size of a room okay this is going to be the aging room there's going to be the cigar resting room there's going to be the drying room packaging how is it going to flow to the factory so it's the most efficient way and because I had a blank slate, it was pretty cool because I could put a wall wherever I wanted. There were no walls. How there big no of roofs. a how, how big of a building is this? It's a uh, about seven thousand square feet. Okay. Um, it allows me to grow at a decent pace, and I'm sure that unless something happens where demand goes up crazily or or it just stays stagnant. You know, you never know, maybe five years or if I can use it for five years and then outgrow that building, it would be a blessing. That'd be a good, good, good Mm -hmm. problem to have. In fact, that was going to be one of my questions is, is your, you know, the thought process going into, you know, having expansion plans, you get a building that's sort of way too big for yourself and hope that you grow into it. Or do you get a building that's sort of just the right size and then worry about that later, you know? (laughs) There's buildings of all size, shapes, you know. So uh, I think 7,000 might have been a little too small for what I wanted, but it's definitely not too small. I mean, it, it's, it could get tight in a couple of years, but it definitely uh, has a lot of room. And again, because of the location, the free zone I'm in, um, I'm inside a free zone where a lot of the other bigger players are where the box factories are, the, uh, some of the major ring manufacturers, cellophane manufacturers, carton boxes, everybody's in there. So mm-hmm. it makes things very easy. And that's one of the biggest benefits of that location. So I'm very happy. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't have chosen a better building. Did and I have, thank the uh, people at the free zone for letting, giving it to me. Did you have other factories in mind, you know, like little bits and pieces of factories that you visited over the years or that you've worked in, uh, you know, that where you were like, oh, like I want to take they, they did that so cool in this one factory. And I want to kind of have that same sort of feel for that in my in my factory when I get that, when I finally make my own factory. Or did you just say, like, I'm I'm just going to d- design this just completely from scratch out of my mind? Of course, you take ideas from every factory that you visit. Um, I I grew up in a factory that was already set, you know, and additions were made. So being able to make it from scratch is a blessing. But I see something cool in a factory and, okay, this factory does this, but they don't do this. Uh, If I do that, will it increase the quality of my cigar significantly? Yes. Okay, so I must do that. If I do that, is that just a cool fat thing or does it, do I really need it to make my cigars better? So it's, 
it's I, I took a little bit of everything. And I also thank everybody that is in the industry with different factories that allowed me to visit them and gave me uh, good hints on how to build out a factory from scratch. Because I have never done it myself. <laughs> right. I, I, I have seen a factory. I know what it has, but I have never installed uh, aging room myself. I've never installed refrigeration. I've never installed electricity. There were no wires. We had to install wiring. We had to install lighting. There was nothing. There were no doors. <laughs> <laughs> doors are important. No kitchen, no nothing. <laughs> so so it, even choosing what toilet is going to be in the, <laughs> right, in the factory, important. that was a decision. <laughs> You, 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 you got to have some toilets. Uh, <laughs> now, what about, uh, Klaus, what about the spirit of the factory? Like, you know, you, you, you go to, say, Drew Estate's uh, factories and, and there's a spirit there. It's, it's, there's a lot of graffiti and, and music yeah. and there's kind of a vibe to it. You go to, um, you know, AJ's factory and it kind of has sort of its own sort of vibe to it. You go to Perdomo's uh, operation and and it kind of has a certain vibe like did you you know sort of think about the vibe what's going to be the on the walls what's what's mm -hmm. the paint is it going to be white is it going to be orange you know did, did you did you put a lot of thought into the, sort of the vibe and spirit of the operation well you've seen the mural probably from the pictures right of when the press release came out so there's this big mural right next to uh the rolling floor and the mural goes all the way around. And uh, I wanted the factory to be two things, uh, or I guess three things, very organized, very clean, and kind of sleek, modern uh, touch. So nothing is too much in your face. All the colors are, are, are clean lines, clean designs, even the rolling tables, all the table, everything is just clean. Uh, nothing is just screaming at your face. Well, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a picture of it. And, and you see the, the color scheme uh, or the palette that we chose. Even right. our, our name is, uh, is very clean and the logo is a very simplistic, um, not too complicated. So it's trying to keep some of the old traditions, but bringing in a little bit more modern, younger touch. Right. And if you go there, I mean, the people, I think, is what brings the Dominican and the tradition side, because I let them have the music that they want, you know, so you have a lot of traditional music playing in the background. And definitely, yes, that toilets are the spirit of the factory, Joe <laughs> Machado. <laughs> I, even if you are sitting in the bathroom, you can hear the music in the background. <laughs> Now that's you really got. Toilets are always bad at these factories. Class, you got to really, really be careful about mm. allowing people to pick their own music because you <laughs> you'll never get yeah. two people to agree on that. Um, well, no, so, we're a small yeah. team still, so okay. Well, it, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. Right. Before we get too far, a lot of guys in the comments are wondering what you're smoking. Mm. Well, I have. I didn't know what to smoke, but I have here. Oh, different blends Cigars. that are homework. Uh, yes. <laughs> so e each one of these is a different blend. That, well, the papers tell you, and then the ones that don't have paper, I know what they are because they're different sizes. 
but each one of them are different blends that I'm trying out for either clients or just new blends that I'm uh, working on. And that's become basically my homework. There's actually three cigars there that are almost identical to each other. I'm just changing probably in one like 10%, another one I'm just changing positions and slight differentiations so that I can uh, see in what direction to take the blend. Um, it's so fun homework. The, what's the blend like that you're smoking now? Uh, this one is, no, it's, it's an Habano Ecuadorian wrapper. And then inside is predominantly the Dominican, but I would categorize this blend as a very smooth, uh, not too spicy, just light spices, more on the sweeter end. And then this is a, a slight adaptation that I did to this blend that increases the bitterness so that there's a little bit more balance in the back because the front, well, I think was too overpowering. So I'm trying it with a little bit more intensity in the back to see if it makes, if it makes it harsher. Cause I don't want to get the creaminess out of the cigar. So increasing the bitterness without losing the 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 creaminess. So uh, once you have the building and and the paintings and the mural, you need rolling tables, you need mm -hmm. sorting tables, you need all. How many um, rolling tables uh, are in the in the factory at this stage? At this stage, I have um, uh, six rolling tables, uh, basically um, six pairs. Mm -hmm. You can have up to 12 people in that space, but the space allows for double that or, and maybe even a little bit more, but we would be a little tight. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I want to be right now, we are a small factory in regards of production, but my goal is to be in a couple of years, a, a medium sized factory, depending, of course, on clients and how the cigars are received. Because <laughs> right now we're making cigars, but none of them have hit the market. So hopefully you guys like them and and they're well received so we can keep making more do you and do you, you guys build sort of, your own rolling tables and stuff or is that like some something you source for somebody well um i decided on the measurements i decided on a couple specific things of the of the rolling table of course you you get somebody that has experience in doing this uh, but for example something i did that in some factories don't have is like the top part of my rolling tables have this, uh, um, like a, a black matte tarp so that the cigars don't break as much. So something that I have to be a little bit careful with, uh, keeping um, that, that top very nice and clean. Then you can rest the cigars and you can inspect the cigars there over a black matte surface. Even the colors pop out a little bit more. And it's not like the cigars are being uh, placed on top of wood or if they're dropped, they don't land hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that's a little thing I did to make my rolling tables the way I wanted it. Right now, mm -hmm. at that point, uh, you need employees, and um, mm -hmm. now you obviously would have a bit of an advantage here because you know you've been in the industry for so long. But um, getting getting employees, good rollers, bunchers to come into yeah. sort of a new factory, you 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 can almost kind of probably got to sell them a little bit here. Like you got to kind of say, hey. This is what we're going to be about, and we'd really love to have have you here, you know, working for us. How difficult is that to get the the right employees when you haven't even made a cigar yet? Your team is the most important thing. I think to a factory, there's mainly 
at least in my size, right? Uh, there's there's two teams. There is a small administrative team, and then you have the team on the factory floor, and then you need one person, at least somebody who uh, understands your philosophy, uh, to be the first one on board, and that would be basically your person that controls uh, quality control and production. So he's the one making sure that every single roller at all moments, he's inspecting them. He's making sure that they're making the right cigars, that the blends are being well distributed and the tobacco that they're receiving is in proper condition. Of course, myself, I also go into the factory. I supervise, I supervise the tobacco, but because I also have some administrative tasks and I also have to deal with clients, I can't be in the factory floor all day, every day, 24 seven. So you do need somebody of confidence that believes in you, um, that works on, on the factory floor, and then you need a good administrative team that helps you uh, do the, the spreadsheets and payments, payroll and all that stuff that maybe I, I shouldn't be spending that time in. And yes, that conversation is very hard at the beginning because you it's not easy finding somebody that you trust. I think I was very lucky with my team and it's, is two people I trust very much. Uh, and that initial conversation, uh, I got lucky because they were free at that time. They were willing to make the sacrifice and trust in my project. And they're part of the, the Kellner Cigars family now. And then you get the other rollers. I think in my case, the hardest part of getting rollers was getting the roller that rolls the, the wrapper onto the cigar. Because in my factory, I have something that's a policy that I will not allow to be broken. And that policy is that every single cigar has to be finished uh, with the same leaf that is rolled, the wrapper. Um, you know what a chupi is, like a cap. So mm -hmm. a lot of cigar factories now have rollers that are making cigars with chupis. So they take a little uh, circle knife and they roll a little circle, they cut it out a circle and then they put a cap on the cigar. That's like taking a separate piece of tobacco and finishing it. It's a lot faster. Uh, they make more cigars per, per hour, but I don't want that. I think cigars should be an art and every single cigar should be delicate and it should be finished with the same leaf that you started it with. So when there's not a lot of rollers that have that specialty. And when you tell them that, hey, we're going to have you're not you're going to have to make a little bit less cigars because I want you to finish mm. the cigars properly how I want you to do them. Uh, some of them say no because they're too used to rolling chupi. I would say the majority of cigar rollers in the Dominican Republic, probably in other countries, actually are rolling chupi nowadays. But I won't allow that in my factory. That's not quality in my eyes. Now, Klaus, when you buy a uh, when you buy a new stereo system. Or you buy a new TV, right? A new car. <laughs> or you buy a new car. And, and you, you're like, all right, what's the first song I'm going to listen to? Like, I know what Jordan, he always, I know he has a song he always listens to on his new stereo. And, uh, and, you know, it's like this one song that like really is crazy and brings out the speakers. You can hear the bass and this sort of thing. What was the first cigar you rolled at the factory and did you smoke it like right then and just be like, this is it. This is the first cigar. And did you off roll it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not roll it myself. But, um, well, 
the first cigars I rolled were actually test blends before the factory was done. And it actually was, um, I, I made six different blends. And before you have a factory, before you receive tobacco, because that's something we haven't talked about. People is important, location is important, but probably tobacco is the most important. Well, maybe after people. But um, you have to go out to different distributors, suppliers of tobacco, of leaf, and they open up the doors to you and you get to look at all the ingredients they have available for you. And then they give you samples so that you can test it out on your own time. And with all these samples that I received from all these suppliers, it was so much fun. It was just, <laughs> I had the world in my hands. And so I did six different blends and some of them were very traditional. What I, I knew uh, worked. Uh, some were a little bit more out there, a little bit more creative. And then some were combinations that I had never tried uh, in my life. Uh, and the, the traditional ones work. They got a track mark. There was one that was completely out of just craziness that got an X. And, but there was one that was uh, unexpected that I gave it two check marks. And oh. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, there were two that I gave two check marks. I was like, okay, these are really good. Um, and that cigar is actually in production right now. Um, another cigar that got one check mark, we just finished production on it as well. Um, but I, I keep creating new stuff and I keep, I mean, I think every week I'm testing at least three or four new blends. So it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, now, I don't know yeah, how ahead, to explain Jordan. it. Uh, Indiana Ortiz wants to know, are you doing just private labels? When can we expect your own brand? Well, geez, she's jumping, she's jumping the, the gun there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. the next question was, you got to get customers. Hi, you got to get customers. And in your case, initially, yeah. these customers are brands themselves. You're not doing mm -hmm. your own brand yet. So, mm -hmm. um, to answer Indiana's question, um, first you start off doing some some private label stuff for, for folks. Yeah. And how do you get those people? I mean, do they just say, hey, I heard you opened a factory class. We love you already. We, we trust you. We want to go with you. Or do you go to them and say, hey, guys, I, I just got my factory open. And you want to do something with me? Like how did that process work? Um, I started teasing it last year. Uh, actually, the first time I – start teasing it to that I had these plans were to very close friends in the industry and they trust you. I, I definitely am very thankful for that because uh, I wanted to start with private labels, not with my own brand. Uh, I'm teasing you there. Maybe <laughs> you'll, at some point you'll, you'll see that. But uh, my dad made a factory private labels. My brother, he makes private labels. He has a smoking jacket as well. Uh, but my family specializes in private labels. What does that allow us to do? That allows us to focus in the factory, be at the factory, be present, and make sure that the cigars that are coming out of there are of top quality. I do not want to start a factory and a couple months later be out on the road, traveling, mm. doing events, putting the product on shelves because that means I'm not going to be in the factory making sure things are coming out well. So private labels is the perfect way to make sure that everything is going fine before 
you want to go into a second stage of your dream. Right. How many customers are you dealing with right now uh, at this early stage? More than enough. <laughs> <laughs> I at the beginning, of course, it was people that I trusted 100%. I'm making cigars with my my, my friends. Um, after the announcement was made over a month ago now, um, the the response was very positive. So I thank everybody that reached out to me, and some of you will definitely work into the calendar. But I'm already booked. And, wow, that's a good problem. Have, uh, yeah, uh, it's a good problem. So I, I do not want to grow too fast. I want to be. I want to grow organically because two, three, got two, three, four guy, four couple. What's the number? Come on, throw us, throw us, throw us a bone more. here. More. Let's just wow. say more. five, six, mm-hmm. hundred. Remember, we are private label. <laughs> Remember, we are private label factory. So yeah, uh, not all of the orders are huge, and that th- that's a blessing for me because it allows me to, uh, you know, try out my rollers with different. Um, different shapes, different sizes. It, it, it allows me to be more creative. Uh, I also wouldn't want to have one order of, I don't know, 200,000 cigars on my first order because I don't want to put all my, my eggs in one basket. Mm. Actually having different clients and different points of sale that come from the counter factory, I think is a great thing because we will be positioned around the world and not with my own brand, but we are represented at their brands. So how many uh, cigars a month can you produce uh, if you had you to? You do the math. A, a, cigar, a cigar roller can normally make about uh, between 400 and 500 cigars. Um, I'm actually telling them to go a little slower. A day. Because a day. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. A, a pair, right? Right. Um, and you got six 400 pairs. 400 to 500. Yeah, and... But I am actually telling them to be a, go a little slower. I want to make sure that things are going out right, are going all right. And then when I trust that I can let them loose, I'll let them loose. So we're, we're, if, if you're doing less than that, and depending on how many days a week you work, uh, 10,000 a month or something like that, probably. I don't know, 10,000, 12,000 cigars a month at this point. You do the math. All right. I just did. <laughs> in my head by the way i suck at math jordan Are you better? <laughs> uh, i actually had a couple more questions but i noticed that the uh, some of the audience questions that i asked earlier for classes in session which will be after the break are almost identical to what i was going to ask you so i'm going to just save those for now um let's go to the commercial and when we come back guys it's time for classes in session we did this three years ago nobody knows more about tobacco than our guests so we have some uh some awesome uh, questions about tobacco and cigars, and there's more um, factory questions as well. Uh, but being before that, folks, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands such as Romeo y Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines such as the Drew Estate Nightshade or the limited edition Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. 
celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. This is episode 378, Smoke Night Live. We're chatting with none other than Klaus Kellner of Kellner Cigars, who just opened his own cigar factory. We've been chatting about uh, what it takes to start a cigar factory. And uh, I know it's like everybody watching this show, Jordan, including you, Including, I'm Con- watching. including Connor sitting over there. Connor! Hey, Connor. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> Connor's in the studio. It's going good. Yeah. <laughs> Connor of uh, Aged Oak. Tasty Oak. The Thirsty Oak. Thirsty Oak. Thirsty Oak. The Thirsty Oak. <laughs> the Thirsty Oak podcast. Great. Good job, Connor. Um, anyways, everybody watching the show wants to know how to start their own. We all dream of that, right? Mm. You dream of having your own cigar factory somewhere in a... You know, Santiago or in Esteli or somewhere, Don Lee, like it would be all those places. It'd be amazing. I would love to have a little mini cigar factory. I'll never do that, of course, but uh, (laughs) I'm way too lazy. The toilets don't work well enough for me. I would I would take way too long determining the type of toilet. (laughs) Uh, There'd have to be one. I here's the thing. What I what I'd have to have. I'd have to have like say that. I would have to have. Class, I would have to have toilets one, rest of the night. I'd have to have one secret toilet that no oh, yeah, that yes. no that nobody knew about, and it was just books. But you pull a book out yes. and it's, rolls rolls out, and yeah. there's a toilet in there. Yeah, they, they would, I'd have to have my own speakeasy toilet <laughs> because I got you know when I gotta go, I can't wait. I can't wait for uh, the janitor to get done. I gotta go. Anyways, that's a to- that's a topic for another show. We've been chatting about. Um, We've been chatting about uh, Klaus starting his own cigar factory, and uh, we can't wait to see all the stuff that comes out of there in the coming years. This is the uh, when do you think will like the first uh, first brand private label actually be available? That's up to them. Um, I I know that there is one brand that we will be shipping in the next couple months for sure. So. you very soon you'll probably hear of the first private label coming out. Awesome. But most most everything is is later for towards the end of the of the year, the fourth quarter, third quarter. Yeah. All right. Well, Jordan, it's time for classes in session. Let's learn some stuff from class. It's time where we learn from the man himself. There we go. Classes in session. <laughs> uh, I have five Goodness. questions for you tonight, That's my friend. That's an old picture. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was from back in the day. Um, I have uh, five questions for you tonight, Klaus. The first one, this is one that we, this, you, on first blush, this is sort of like a blah question, okay? Because it gets asked a million times. And I've answered this question myself a million times. But Klaus, recently, I've changed my opinion on this topic. Mm-hmm. And I, my answer is different in the last, I don't know, eight to 10 months than it has been my entire life leading up to this. So the question is, when guys buy their cigars and they want to store them for themselves to smoke later in their humidors, they always ask, should I keep the cellos on or should I take the cellos off? Now, before you answer that, I just want to, I'll preface this a little bit and I'm going to see if you think that I... Am wrong, and I and if you think I'm wrong, don't you don't hesitate to to smack me because I I want to know. But for the longest time, Klaus, I always said 
I always pretty much gave the standard answer. This is the standard answer is it doesn't yeah. matter. You do whatever you want to do with them. You want to leave the cellos on? Leave the cellos on. You want to take them off? Take them off. And I think that's true. It's true. But my opinion nowadays is I think if you are going to store them yourself to smoke later, you should take the cellos off so that the tobacco within your humidor can marry more with each other, just like they do in an aging room. You don't store cigars in a factory aging room with cellos on. Like cellos are great for shipping and for when it's at the retail location. But I sort of feel like your cigars end up tasting better if you take the cellos off and kind of let why why let all that yummy tobacco just end up in the cello making a brown cello? It seems like that tobacco should go into other cigars, adding maybe more flavor. What do you think about what I'm saying? Am I way off base here? What's your thought? Uh my opinion, right? <laughs> um, I, I've heard all sides of the coin. Uh, I'm pro cello. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I like I'm it. Very, I'm very pro cello. I've had this discussion many times. Uh, it, factory tours, uh, especially, uh, I have the discussion, the packaging departments. Um, but cellophane is not plastic. As you know, right. it's, it's made out of cellulose. Uh, cellophane it is porous. It, it, yes, it, it breathes. So it allows you uh, to put inside a humidor and the humidity will go inside uh, to the cellophane or to the bottom of it if you haven't sealed it because there's always an opening. And so I hear a lot of people say, well, I take out the cellophane so that the humidity is better. Or, but I think cellophane uh, is great, especially because I also see it from a factory perspective where uh, Cigars shipped without cellophane, cigars handled without cellophane. Of course, right. Tend to have way more damages. Yes. And unless you're ex extremely careful in your own home, uh, they're bound to break, they're bound, bound to bounce, they're bound, bound to, you know, rock and as, as you're shifting cigars in your humidor. So tips of the cigars can break or they can get scratched. And any cigar that is broken, it's a sin. So definitely... Mm -hmm. Uh, for packaging purposes and protection, cellophane is great. To your point, in a cigar factory setting in your aging room, you do not have cellophane. In my aging room, for example, I keep a low temperature and I keep a low humidity. But the the reason why we have resting rooms in an, in a cigar factory is because when the cigars are fresh off the table, the humidity is not balanced. In the cigar so you want to give it a couple days to to allow the cigar to rest and the humidity to become uniform throughout the whole cigar a cigar is best after the humidity in all the cigar has been uh, at, attained a cigar freshly off the table is going to taste completely different and even though some people swear by a fresh cigar uh, the cigar that is fresh off the table is not the cigar that a blender designed uh, because the humidity will affect the the taste profile of it in a humidor inside a factory whether you store it in bulks or you store it in bundles wheels half wheels whatever you want to call it normally you have the cigar of one type and even, so they don't have cellophane and you have one cigar next to another and but it's the same blend mm -hmm. and you have these cigars really close next to each other to the same blend 
in a desktop humidor setting, in my personal experience, cigars without cellophane that has spent a year, two years, more, mixed with other cigars inside of a, hum a small humidor, when they don't have cellophane, those aromas and those oils, especially the ones that touch, start to mix. And the flavor of that cigar changes and it becomes, you know, like a melting pot of flavors inside Thanks. your humidor. It, so I like my cellophane because it concentrates the aromas of that cigar inside the cellophane. And it doesn't allow for that much transfer of aromas from one cigar that is a different blend to another cigar. So that's another reason why I'm pro cellophane, because I want the cigar that I either made or in, I guess your case at a retail point bought to be the blend that that was it designed to be. Right. That's and a good point. I don't want that's, it to, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Now, I would I would I would argue to people to do this experiment. If you can do this experiment, it's really fun because I've done this myself. If you have two, say, desktop humidors that are about the same size or something like that, um, you know, fill one with cigars that have the cellulose still on and fill one and take all the cellulose off and just tr experiment and see how it works for you. It's been my experience, especially there's, there is one advantage to what I'm saying, Klaus, is if you open a, if you open a desktop humidor and all the cigars have their cellos off. It's the greatest smell. It's yes. it's literally it's like Christmas. It's it's the most amazing smell in the world. You don't get that with a uh, a desktop humidor. Yes. Yeah. However, I think you made some great points, and now that gives me something to think about. I mean, you're the expert, so so now if you're buying by the box, maybe you take all the cellos off the cigars and put them back in the in box. The box and then which I've done that too, and that's yeah. a good idea, Jordan. Yeah, I've done that uh, several times. It I see a comment from Joshua Rivas. Uh, I think cellophane lengthening is the time you can age over decades. Um, I, it, it is, it is. I think also because the aromas are concentrated inside that cellophane and they don't get dispersed, it normally lasts longer. The the aromas and the taste inside cellophane, but for aging purposes, if you want your cigar to maintain most of his. Uh, most of its oils, most of its uh, aroma, most of its taste. Uh, if you're going to be aging for 10 years plus, uh, bring down the humidity a little bit. Mm. That, that's, that's, a, that's a good tip that we've learned from, uh, for example, Eddie Sahakian, Edward Sahakian from Dowdorf of London. Uh, you go downstairs, if they allow you to go downstairs and see their stock, so cigars from the 1990s, from the 1980s, their humidity down there is much lower than in your traditional humidor. And that's what allows them to uh, keep their their cigars. And do they keep the temperature so a little time. lower there yes. too as well? Yeah. Slow cooking, yes. baby. It's like slow cooking, yeah. right? Yeah. Interesting. So lower temperature and lower lower humidity normally prolongs aging, uh, which is something I do, uh, especially in this country with high humidity. I like my cigars with a little lower humidity. Yeah. There you go, folks. Um, all right. Next question. Klaus is in session. Um, you hear a lot about stock cut um, tobacco. Now, normally, Klaus, you know the 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 tobacco is primed in the fields. They take, mm -hmm. you know, off the leaves as they go, and then they put them in the curing barns and so on and so forth. But you know, it's it's also popular to do some stock cut aging, where they actually just cut the entire stock off and hang mm -hmm. that. What are the what is the advantages or disadvantages 
of stock cut tobacco. Why do some people employ that and others don't? What what are the pros and cons? Well, we're talking about farming uh, now. It's outside of the factory uh, world, but uh, normally uh, stock cut gets done in locations that are uh, bigger fields or uh, the variety of that tobacco allows for that. And it's normally uh, also for labor wages as well, because it is much cheaper to cut the whole stock, hang it up in, 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 in a curing barn instead of harvesting two leaves every three, four days, and then mm -hmm. coming back again three days later and harvesting two more separate leaves. And then when you're gonna go sew them onto the curing barn up in a stick and hanging them up, it's you gotta sew every single leaf one by one. So uh, labor cost is a big factor of it. And normally uh, the highest of premium tobaccos in my experience do not do uh, stock cut uh, because it also allows for a little bit more uniform uh, curing process of that leaf where if you see a leaf, the curing, the curing process of that leaf starts at the tips, at the edges, and then it's slow. The last thing to dry is the center vein. And the curing process is finished when that center vein is completely dry. In a stock cut, it, it's the whole stock at one moment, but you also have that whole stock that you have for it to let to dry. So it, it, it's a different uh, process of curing. It's, it's a little different because of that huge stock and that stock holds a lot of moisture mm, gotcha yeah you don't uh you, you don't hear it a lot but there's some cigars obviously the mm -hmm. a lot of the like liga stuff from seems, uh, i mean i could be wrong but it seems like it's mostly on like the broadleaf stuff is there a reason mm -hmm. why like it that, well, that would united united states yeah. normally you're yeah. talking about labor costs normally mm. okay so, it makes sense there might right. be also, also other reasons that they particularly do that, but because it's not my, I'm not a pro at that. I'm not, a, maybe they have more pros that they could talk about than me. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, this one comes from uh, Colin uh, Diceland or Disland or Colin. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced your name. He's a great dojo guy. He asked, um, what is the most important thing to do when opening your own cigar factory? And I'm going to, I'm going to, Add to his question just a little bit, uh, Klaus. What was not not just the most important thing, but what was the most challenging thing for you when in this entire process? What was like the hardest part? Opening for your me, own factory, the, yeah. For me, the most challenging was the administrative part. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm in a free zone. It's not that hard. It's just uh, I'm a creative guy. I'm a tobacco guy. Um, the, the administrative side is what bores me. <laughs> so uh, to be in a free zone and be in the free zone park, you need certain permits. You need to do feasibility studies. You need to tell the government why they should give you a permit to work in a free zone. Uh, you have to go present your project to a board, uh, tell them how much you're going to be exporting in X amount of years, how much you're going to be making so many cigars. Uh, you're going to, and probably most important to the government, how many employees you're going to employ. And uh, it's a kind of, uh, I think it's a funny story, but it kind of speaks volumes of my dad. My dad is part of the board that uh, approves 
any new project in a free zone. So any new project, any new factory, any new initiative inside a free zone, my dad is actually part of the board and he votes. It has to be unanimous. And uh, when it came to voting for my project, uh, we got 100% voting for it, except one vote who abstained. My dad stepped out of the room for the voting process. <laughs> but, but um, Can't blame yeah, him for the – no nepotism on his part. Yeah. Exactly. But he made me do everything myself. Uh, he, no help whatsoever. <laughs> Jeez, dad, come on. Yeah. Throw me a bone. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. He makes me work for what I want. But yeah. I, to the person that asked the question – uh, the most important part really besides the people is the tobacco. But for me, that's not tough. I enjoy that. I think that's the part I have the most fun and mm. I geek out about it, but going to every single supplier, um, tasting every single leaf, take making test blends, then going back to those suppliers, and saying, okay, I have these test blends that are approved by potential clients. I'm going to buy this amount of tobacco for X amount of blends and also for inventory. So I buy more than what I need four or five times as much as I need so that I have inventory for the future, uh, which not everybody can, but I'm blessed that I can, I was able to invest in tobacco and, and going back and say, okay, I have these test blends. Now I got to go into every single bale and make sure that each one of those bales has the tobacco that I'm looking at with the flavor profiles, that one particular bale is not worse than the other, that they're all exactly the same uh, with the qualities uh, that I'm looking for. And then receiving those bales and, and working on sorting them before the cigars get, before the cigars get made. So the tobacco part is the most important thing. And it's probably what I spend the most time in. I would imagine Klaus that, that that's a potential for failure for, for some folks because you could get excited and buy a bunch of tobacco early on that you might not ever use. Then you end up wasting a lot of money because maybe, you know, like you, you want to get inventory, but you got to make sure that you're getting inventory that you're going to for sure use down the road. You know, you got to kind of know. And in your case, obviously, you know, the tobacco, but like, you know, for, for other folks, um, you know, if you end up investing a bunch of money in tobacco that turned out to not be that great or the quality wasn't, you know, bad for some reason, you could, you know, that, you could waste a lot of money right off the get go before you even get started. Yeah. I think you're, you're the worst enemy of a factory that's getting started. Um, well, besides not having clients, but, um, would, would be uh, a lot of rejects, rejects yeah. in the sorting and rejects in the cigar making. So it, it's something that you have to be very careful and you have to definitely make sure that those bales come right. Um, I, have a, I have a picture, at some point I'll post it one day, but I have a picture that every single bale that came in, my scrawny little self and one other person had to carry all those 100 pound bales into the aging room. And we didn't even have a, a forklift at the time. Mm -hmm. So I had to run and ask somebody for a cart uh, a neighbor who was gracious enough to give me a cart and it, it took us several hours to bring all those bales into the aging room. Um, you, you don't have a big team, so you have to do all the heavy lifting yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I would have been screwed there. <laughs> screwed there. All right, uh, class. Randy Harrison. Yeah, Randy Harrison asks. She asks. Um, uh, she has a question here. Some of this we've already covered, but there is one interesting aspect in this that I want to hit you with. But um, she says, "What are some of the considerations for opening a factory? Do you need to have customers to produce the cigars, or do you produce the products and then get the customers? What are the key factors in in opening the factory?" So that that's a pretty interesting question. Like. Did you already have a feel that you had some customers going into this or did you literally start the factory without a single customer and then and then had the, and then work that in later? I mean, all the paperwork, everything, the uh, the construction, everything started before customers. But I already had some people that uh, knew about the project, some people that I was pretty sure were going to jump on board but no blends were really uh, 100% um, assigned or chosen. So they, were, they were going on just loyalty to, to you and, and yes, trust, trust 100%. that you knew what you were doing. 100%. They, they trust, I, I trust them. They trust me. It's a two-way street, you know, trust goes both ways and very grateful for that. But it, I wasn't scared. Um, I, I, it, it had to be done. It's what I was. It's my dream. I, I was not scared at all. And uh, the customers came, and and they came in time. So by the time that the factory needed to start rolling its first cigar, I had already blends chosen. Uh, so it, it, it everything timing wise worked out in the end. All right. Our final question comes from. Uh... Joe Machato. Uh, he'd like to know um, if they still have lectors in factories, and if not, what's the replacement? So um, the, the guy at the front of the factory that would read the news to the people that mm -hmm. were reading or to rolling in the cigars and stuff. I know that um, at the J.C. Newman factory um, mm -hmm. yeah, they've got in one. Ybor City, they, they do have that yeah. um, still. Um, that's the only one that I'm I'm familiar with having that, um, but that's an interesting question, Klaus. Uh, mm. I, maybe you could uh, t talk a little bit about how that worked back in the day. And do, does any factory still do that besides J.C. Newman? Not 100% sure um, who else does it, uh, but I think the replacement for that has become music. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Especially the in the probably. <laughs> well, in, in my factory, I, I, I don't like iPods. Okay. I don't like those cores in the way. Um, it's again, we're still a small team, so we can definitely vote at what kind of music is going to be uh, played. Uh, but I, I think keeping a good mood, uh, good environment, even myself, I, I think me going out to the rolling floor and spending a little time with each one of them. Uh, seeing what they're up to, not just what they're rolling at that moment, but how their families are doing. Um, uh, what's new? What's the new joke? What are they? What's the new gossip? You know, and who is being made fun of today? <laughs> that would uh, be so, me. <laughs> so, so you spend a little time with each one of them, and you keep their mood up. Uh, definitely, music is something that keeps the mood up, and. And of course, I think the other thing that keeps the mood up is free, free flowing, twenty four seven coffee. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> so you're saying you probably wouldn't replace the music with like a murder mystery podcast at no. some point, something like oh, that? Oh no, okay. no, I, I don't want. I don't think. I, see, I think music is something that you can tune out, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of it just kind of becomes part of the vibe as you're working. Where if you're reading news to somebody or you have a show on for them or something. They might be paying more attention to the news at some moment than right. than their cigars. So I, 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 the key to making good cigars, besides great people and and great tobacco and quality control, is good uh, good vibe. Making them feel happy. If one day a cigar roller comes to your factory and they have a problem home, and uh, the, that problem is giving them a headache. They will not work well, and you will see it reflected in the rejects or in the quality or in the amount of cigars that they make. So, as their boss and as the the patron, the jefe, uh, I I need to make sure that they're all happy. So you you treat them to something from time to time. You bring them a chocolate. You ask them what's going on with their life. Uh, the other day, one of their one of them had a mother that their cell phone broke. So I, we helped them buy the new cell phone so that they're not worried about the cell phone while they're making cigars. Mm. You know? <laughs> so it, it, that's my job. Make sure that they're happy and they're making great quality cigars. Jor- Jordan, yeah. Jordan's wife uh, needed you last week when she broke her cell phone, but uh, you guys could have bought her one. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanner Cole's been wondering, how did you go about drafting the team members? Earlier he was asking about like, Specifically, the rollers, because you were talking about you, you wanted the, the specific rollers that to put on the head the correct way. Like, yeah. is it just like word of mouth? Like, is it like you know, guys put in their resumes or something? Like, how do how do you go about getting these rollers? Uh, I think uh, at the size that we are at, it's word of mouth uh, because you know, you, you want to make build a team that you can trust, and I interview every single one of them before we let them onto into the factory and then we also test them out a little bit to see their skill and a, a, there's a part of depending on their skill of training so you you don't put them into production right away you make sure that they're rolling cigars properly and if they have any habits that they've picked up in any other company that are habits that maybe they're good habits but it's not your style mm, right. that you want that you want to change uh, so you change that habit little by little and you make sure that they're doing things the way that you want them to. Uh, you're looking for skill. You're looking for uh, patience. You're looking for a team player. That The last thing I would want in a small team setting is gossip already happening. So I, part of it is I, I look at their persona. I, I look at what kind of personality they have before I hire them. Um, Klaus, the, uh, PCA show is coming up this summer. Um, yep. are you going to be, uh, there bouncing around, just kind of walking around talking to, to folks? Are you going to make an appearance or are you too busy with the, the factory? I've never missed a PCA in my life. Wow. <laughs> so I was, I was going to RTDA as a little kid. My parents would take me. Maybe I missed a couple of years when I was a little kid. Um, but since I've been an adult, I've never missed one. So I'll, I'll never miss one. And uh, I always joke about it. I got married in PCA. That's right, yeah. <laughs> in Vegas. So 
uh, I bummed a little bit that they changed the dates from July to another month uh, for the upcoming years um, because I always get to celebrate my anniversary. Mm, right. <laughs> but uh, I'll never miss it. So I'll definitely be there. I'll be bouncing around. I'll be talking to my friends. I'll be talking to you guys. I'll, and it's just filling it out. And you never know. I might get a client or two. Yeah, that's, it's, that's good networking it, right there. Yeah. The idea is to network and be in the middle and to mm. say hello to everybody because it's a great opportunity to meet people that you only see once a year. All right, Gloss, last question for you tonight. Appreciate your time hanging out with us on a Friday night on uh, Smoke Night Live. Ten years from now, where do you see Kellner Cigars? What's the vision? How do you see it going? What's your prediction? What's your hope, aspirations, and dreams? Mid-sized factory. Still making some private labels, counter cigars. There you go. You, you never, you never, you never know what the future might hold. But I, I think something that my my father never did uh, was make his own brand. So uh, at some point, that's going to come in, and that's that's the vision, that's the future. But especially to all those people that supported me at the beginning, I hope to continue making cigars for them. If, if they're willing. Right. Well, I, mm. I know all of the, I speak for everybody on uh, Dojo uh, Verse and here in the studio, how excited we are for you. We wish nothing but the best in this endeavor. We can't wait to uh, get a try some of these as they start coming out, brother. It's it's uh, it's super exciting, man. We're really pumped for you. And we really appreciate you taking the time on a Friday night. Join us on the show. It's my pleasure. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, I, I had a little hiatus for a moment from social media, but I'm back. So yeah, you, you actually took a normal amount of time, like a reasonable amount of time between things. Mm-hmm. Like I think Matt Booth was like 45 days after he quit. He was back in. I think Mike, <laughs> what well, Michael Herklotz was like two weeks. Uh, who, what was the, what was the record breaker? It was one of those guys. Rick Rodriguez. Oh yeah. Rick Rodriguez. Rick Rodriguez is the one he was like out for like three weeks. I think that was, that's like the shortest amount of time being out of the industry, but uh, no, we're super, <laughs> we're super pumped for you, brother. And I uh, can't wait to see what happens next. A factory is not that easy. There's a yeah. lot of little nuts and bolts. Huh? A lot of little it nuts and bolts. Time. All right, everybody. Uh, this week on Flavor Odyssey, it's a wild card episode on Wednesday night with Robbie and Randy. Uh, not sure what the uh, pairing is going to be on Wednesday, but uh, Robbie will do a uh, Facebook Live on. Well, it probably I don't know if it'll be Monday because that's late or Memorial Day, but um, maybe Tuesday. Whatever. We'll let you know before Wednesday rolls around what we're doing on Wednesday night. We'll be back here a week from tonight uh, for Smoke Night Live. But as far as tonight goes, Jordan, yeah, grab your phone, get on Dojoverse.com, and hang out with us all night. Check in your favorite cigars. Share what you're drinking. Share what you're listening to. We're going to have fun all night, aren't we, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. Thanks to Klaus Counter for joining us on Smoke Night Live. Until next week, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week. Listen, kid. I've been in the industry for 33 years and I've been smoking cigars for 50 years. I've had just about every brand ever made. What the heck am I smoking now here? This is the H. Upman 1844 Classic. Initially, I'm detecting tasting notes of coffee, black pepper, wood, and, and, and little hints of sweet cream. I'm getting some hot tamale, uh, uh, big ziti, pork chops on the grill. Mashed potatoes with butter, flounder. Are we smoking the same cigar he is? Fossilized earth. 
miniature pizzas that you put in the microwave. Are you, are you talking about bagel bites? Bagel bites. I'm getting some bagel bites out of this. Lasagna, cocoa puffs, portobello mushrooms, guava, banana pudding, salami, foot powder, an everything bagel.